Welcome to Season 2, Episode 5 of TCC Talk. I'm your host, Luke Fay. In this episode, we talk with head men's basketball coach, Zach Setembre, along with Matt Huddleston, the head women's basketball coach. And finally, we'll talk to Athletic Director Rob Cheney on what's going on with Eagle Athletics. Tune in. This is Luke Fay. I am here with head coach of TCC's men's basketball team, Zach Setembre, in his first full year as the head coach of the Eagles. Zach, it's been a very long summer for you, and you you have a lot to look forward to this weekend with your first first game of the year and um, a new look team compared to the summer. Yeah, we're excited. First off, you know, I have to thank Rob Cheney and Dr. Rowland and Dr. Murdaugh again for giving me the opportunity to be the head coach here. It's exciting. To know how much talent we have on our roster, it's exciting to know how much support we have around our program. Uh, we have a, a loaded non-conference schedule that we're excited to get started with this Saturday. We're the only junior college team in the country on the men's side that's playing 30 games against 30 Division One junior colleges. So only junior, out of 208 Division One JUCOs eligible to play the NJCA National Tournament, we're the only one playing 30 D1 JUCO games. So, uh, But yeah, excited. Our team's changed a little bit. We've had a few additions and a few subtractions. Um, but we're excited about where we are in terms of the team dynamic. We got everybody pulling in the same direction. You know, we're, we're fired up about uh, the development that our guys have shown since the summer. Uh, so, yeah, we're excited in terms of just what I think we can be. Now, again, there's different seasons in basketball, right? You got the non-conference season, and then you get into the conference after the long break. Junior college, the break's a little bit longer over Christmas break. So, um, you know, I think right now our, our focus is one at a time. Because we have such a tough non-conference schedule, you know we got to be locked in on on every single game, um, or we'll trip up. Has your expectations changed since the summer, or are they still the same? Well, you know, to be honest with you, in year one, there's a lot you learn. I'm trying not to waste any of my failures because certainly, as a first-year head coach at the college level, uh, there are some things that uh, that we've you know done that next year we'll revisit and say, hey, how is How's the most strategic way to go about this? You know, what could we do better? What could we change from last year? So I don't know if anything's changed since the summer. I think we know a lot more about our team. I think we know a lot more about what we can be and how we have to play to be successful. Uh, so ultimately, our goal is always going to win the Panhandle Conference. That's that's going to be the number one goal for us every single year. Uh, we have one guy that is already committed to a Division One school. We have another guy that will be committing tomorrow to a Division One school. So it's exciting for those guys, um, but overall our expectation is to be, you know, the hardest playing uh, and, and ultimately the best team in our league. That's that's our goal every single year, and, and at the end of that, you know, it, we want to put as many of our guys into Division One as we can. So that's that's why guys come here, and ultimately that's the overarching goal. What's the biggest learning experience from the summer that your team has been able to take away? You know, I think just understanding how competitive and how tough junior college basketball is. We had six guys come from Division One. Four guys come from Division Two. Sometimes I don't know that guys really grasp how competitive the junior college level is. We played in our jamboree. The games were a lot more competitive than I think our guys may have thought they were going to be going in. But they have to understand that in junior college, everybody's hungry. Everybody wants the same thing. Everybody's fighting for the same scholarships. Uh, and there just aren't that many, right? So there are only so many scholarships out there in Division One, Division Two, NAI at every level. Uh, and everybody wants them. So junior college is a very competitive dog-eat-dog environment, and guys have to be fired up and energetic and, and enthusiastic every single day or they're going to look really bad. And I think our guys have gotten more familiar with that reality. 
You touched on it a little bit. This is your first full season as a head coach. What 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 things have you struggled um, compared to when you were a high school coach? Well, the differences. Yeah, there's certainly there's a lot more involved at the college level uh, because one, you got to have guys that graduate. You know, at our level, they have to graduate with a 2.5 to be Division One eligible. So there's a lot more on the academic side that we're trying to hold guys accountable for. When I was the head coach at a high school, I wasn't as involved uh, making sure guys were in the right classes and doing what they were supposed to be doing academically, just making sure they turn things in on time, making sure they're studying for tests ahead of time all those things. So, you know, there's at the college level, you know, when you think about what's a normal day for a college player, you wake up in the morning, you go do individual workouts with Coach Tally. Then you're in the weight room with Coach Ben. Then you go to class. Then you go to, to practice. Then you go to study hall. Then you're getting extra shots up. You know, then at some point in there, you're trying to eat. Then you're trying to maybe have a little bit of a social life. And then you're going to bed and you're getting up the next day and doing it all over again. So in high school, we really only, you know, I got to see our guys about three hours a day. At the college level, I see them all day long in the morning when they come in for workouts, when they're coming out of the weight room and they're going to class. Um, so it's, it's just a lot more involved. It's a lot more in depth. It's a lot deeper. But we have, you know, we're very fortunate. We have really good people in our program. And I think for as much talent as we have at our level, sometimes the more talent you have, the more problems you can have. Um, it, it, our reality is we got a lot of good players, but we don't have, you know, to, everybody, every team and every guy, you know, we all have things we struggle with, but for the most part, our guys are really good people. And I think that's going to give us a chance to be, to be really, really successful. Watching uh, part of the Jamboree, we saw you sub in five at a time. Um, you mentioned that depth. How is how is that going to come in conference play or even to start the season? Yeah, you know what? Minutes? We're still trying to figure out exactly, you know, what we're going to be from a standpoint of, um, you know, of getting getting familiar with who guys are and what their roles are. We've got a lot more defined roles now than we did on October 6th for the Jamboree uh, when we went to Valdosta State and scrimmaged to Division Two last week. We, we continue to really identify who is going to play what role. I can't imagine there'll ever be a time that we'll be five in and five out. Maybe if we give up three offensive rebounds on the same possession, and I'm frustrated and I, I remove the whole group. But that will not be something that's calculated. We're never going to go into a game saying, hey, we're going to platoon strategy. Um, you know, we, we got good guys. Again, as, as you get deeper and deeper into things, you know, there is separation that happens. Um, so I think we got – right now I think we can play – up to 11 guys, will we play 11 consistently? Probably not, um, you know, but there's there's different ways to do it. Coach Hamilton at Florida State's been able to play 10, 11 guys in the first five or six minutes, you know, and then you got programs like Syracuse where they may only play seven the whole game. So there's different ways to do it. We're going to continue to, to create adversity for our guys and, and understand as much as we can what we have in our program and who's going to respond well to what role. Um, but we still got a lot of things that are that are up for grabs, and again, early in the season, we're still going to evaluate, you know, who should be where, and uh, and guys, you know, I tell them all the time, you guys decide who plays, not me. Well, let's talk about the first game coming up on Saturday, four o'clock, in between that Miami Florida State game. But right. people, you want people to come out and watch this. It's Florida State College Jacksonville, who you guys are playing. Mm-hmm. What are you guys looking to get out of the game? You know, for us. First and foremost, we are trying to get off to a good start. We want to win. You know, at this level, if we want to play in the national tournament, we have to win. Last year, we started 17 and 0. Now, uh, the schedule is a lot different this year. We don't. We're not playing any prep schools this year. We're not playing any Division two junior colleges this year. So we have a lot tougher tests earlier in the season to try to prepare us for Panhandle play. You know, we're going to go to Pensacola and play Odessa and play Trinity Valley and play Lamar State Port Arthur, uh, and we play Georgia Highlands here at our place. So we got a lot of tough non-conference games. Monday night we play Andrew College. 
not too long, you know, not too far from now. And that'll be another really tough one for us because they won the state of Georgia last year. So against Florida State College of Jacksonville, they're a team coached by Frank Brunell that uh, he's in year two. He did a great job last year, you know, elevating the profile of the program. They have good players. They got some guys back. Um, but for us, you know, every single game is a chance to get better. So we want to go in. We want to, you know, continue to figure out what we really have on our roster. I'm a lot more familiar and a lot closer to knowing what we're going to get from certain guys than I was uh, even three weeks ago when we opened up with our first jamboree. But for us, you know, we're going to play the guys that give us the best chance to be successful uh, and ultimately try to find out, you know, again, as much as we can through evaluation, through seeing guys in game situations, what we got. How experimental are you going to be in that first game? Will we see some press, uh, different types of zone defenses, man? Yeah, you know what? I to be honest with you, we're I mean we'll start. We're we're going to be a man-to-man program. We'll start in man. Um, you know, and, and how the game is going will kind of dictate what we're going to do. I to be honest with you, Luke, I don't know at our level how experimental we can afford to be, just because every single game is so meaningful. You know, they all count. They're all on your resume. You know, it's hard to get an at-large bid to the national tournament with more than, you know four losses, uh, and even that might be a stretch. So for us, every single game counts. Every single one is meaningful. Uh, so I don't know that I'll ever use the word experimental with, with how we're <laughs> going to coach a game. Uh, you know, we've we've had nine scrimmage games, eight jamboree games, and a, a scrimmage versus a Division two. There was tons of experimenting that went on in those because ultimately, you know, it didn't go on the record. At this point, we're, we're going to do the things that we feel like give us the best chance to win. You're a preseason number two in the country. Um, some things have happened. How are you going to be able to live up to that? Um, and, and you mentioned it's multiple, almost multiple seasons within this basketball season, um, prior to Christmas, after Christmas, and then the home stretch. Sure. Uh, so sure. What, what do you need to do to keep those guys locked in? Well, you know, for us, you know, we, we try to lock, you know, block out any outside noise because the Street and Smith, we were preseason number two. The poll that, that really actually counts, the NJCA mm-hmm. poll just came out, and we're number 16. Mm-hmm. Either, you know, either way – the best, the, the great thing about college basketball at every level, there's a tournament at the end. So wherever you are in the beginning is is not really as meaningful. I think in college football, it helps to be yep. ranked more, you know, highly to the start of the year. In basketball, I don't think it's quite as important because there's such a long season. There's way more games. Um, but for us, you know, we just our guys know that we have ten or eleven guys potentially that could sign Division One, and they also understand that because of synergy, the way you know in our games. There are film, the games that you call, they go on synergy. That's where college coaches see them. So all of their film matters because it all gets seen by the people that are recruiting them. Ultimately, they came to Tallahassee because they wanted to play at the Division One level. And, you know, so our guys understand that every single possession, it all matters. Uh, so I don't think it's – I don't think we're going to have too tough a pro- of a problem keeping our guys locked in because I've – uh, certainly every single day get more comfortable in the role and, and get more comfortable in being able to hold guys accountable, knowing that, hey, if you say you want to be a Division One player, great. These are the things we feel like, uh, and, and the proof is in the pudding, these are the things that, that you need to do to get there. And if you say you want that, then we're going to hold you accountable and we're going to coach you to those expectations that you have for yourself. For Eagles fans, give us your most excited offensive player and most exciting defensive player headed into the season? Yeah, those are great questions. They're, they're very tough to answer. I'll tell you, Rifen Miguel has been really exciting for us in the post. He was a guy that was at Central Florida College of Central Florida last year, uh, somebody that is very, very skilled. We feel like we can throw it in the post and get a basket. He's also a very skilled passer when the help comes. I think he's going to be a guy that, uh, you know, not a lot of people know about, but he's, you know, Saturday, unless he does something crazy, he'll be starting at the five for us. Uh, and he's a guy that just can get things done 
uh, in the post. Now, Calix Stevens has been a pleasant surprise at both ends of the floor. Calix is kind of a Swiss Army knife. He's a great rebounder at both ends. He can make open threes. He can get to the rim off the bounce. Uh, we got a lot of guys. I mean, Yael Hill has stepped up and made shots for us. D2 transfer from West Liberty. I've been so, so impressed with him. I would expect him to, to start at the one on Saturday. L. Ellis had his best practice of the year yesterday. He's been fantastic. And he's, you know, again, gone through some freshman struggles, but like every freshman does. But, you know, we have great faith that he's going to be really good for us. Tariq Silver's a shot maker, we know. DeAndre Golson's had two fantastic weeks back to back. So we got a lot of guys. You know, Eric Hester is still starting to understand. Who he is, you know, Eric Hester, uh, along the lines of going from Florida to Akron, uh, you know, and, and and dealing with things and, and sort of ending up, hey, I went from Florida and now I'm at Tallahassee Community College. I mean, that's that's a fall, you know, and that's you know, you know, Luke, we we keep it very real and, and honest about, you know, who we are as people and where we are as a program. And Eric's a guy that is a perfect example of what junior college can do from somebody. He had a great spot, you know, some things happened in his life that complicated his life. You know, he's, he's had to climb back, and here he is, you know, being consistent every day. He's been fantastic for us at both ends of the floor. So we got a lot of guys that I feel like are, are exciting on the offensive side of the, uh, of the ball. Defensively, you know, Calix Stevens, I think, again, there are some days where I feel like if Calix doesn't get a rebound, we'll, we'll never get a rebound. Um, you know, DeAndre Golson's been better on the glass. Tariq Silver's got to be a guy that goes to the glass consistently. Jordan Guest is another guy that we can't forget about, that he's, he's a shot maker. Uh, that we're, we're counting on for sure, and another guy that's consistent on the glass. We got DeAndre Robinson, a D2 transfer from Wheeling Jesuit that's from Monroeville, Alabama originally, that he's been out for basically three months with a knee. He should be back here hopefully by the by the end of November uh, and get him back in the fray and get him going. So we got a lot of pieces, um, you know, putting it all together. I mean, coaching is more – everybody's got, uh, you know – a puzzle piece that obviously is a little, the edges are a little bit different. It's our job to put them all together, to make sure they fit, to be able to, to kind of break pieces off and fill them in as needed. Uh, so we, you know, for us, our job as coaches is to just make sure our guys are playing as hard as they possibly can, that we're putting them in positions to be successful, and that they're buying into the process of improvement every single day. Our guys have to understand how important every single day is because everybody else out there is working really hard. And the spots that they want at the Division One level, there are a lot of guys that want those. There are only so many of them, and there's, there's really no shortcut to that success. And our guys are really taken to the intensity uh, of the program that we've instilled really since we started official practice. And uh, I think we're going to see a very uh, passionate, enthusiastic, and, and fiery group come game time. It's been about seven months since you've coached a, a important uh, NJCAA basketball game. Sure. How excited are you to just get the season underway? I'm very excited. You know, I'm very excited. Now, would I like to have 748 more practices before we play? Absolutely. You know, but uh, no, we're excited. We feel like we have a chance to be really good. I also, though, understand full well that if we're not as competitive and, and fiery and locked in as we need to be, that we'll struggle because our record in jamborees and scrimmages was three and six. Now, did we play every single game like it was you know, the, the game to win the Panhandle Conference? No, we didn't play any like that because we were being experimental. We were trying to understand, you know, putting guys in different spots. What do we have? But now that we're, which I think is why we went from number two in the preseason, Street and Smith, to 16, because people are kind of probably, you know, overemphasizing the importance of Jamboree games. But I, I understand, you know, that those games don't mean anything. You know, I've talked to a lot of, a lot of guys that I respect at this level that understand, hey, you're just trying to get better in the preseason. Um, you know, so our group's 
got a chance to be really good. We also got a chance to be last in our league if we don't bring it every day. You know, that's just the reality of how competitive our league is. Phil Gaffney at Gulf Coast has done an amazing job. They're going to be much improved. You know, Pete Payne at, at Pensacola is, uh, you know, doing a good job. So there's really good teams in our league. We know that. Uh, Chipotle was ranked seven preseason in the NJCA poll. Northwest Florida somehow is not ranked, which is insane to me because uh, they got some good players. But, you know, that's just the, the strength of, of our league and, and the depth of junior college this year. A lot more talent in junior college this year than there has been because of how many transfers out of Division One there have been. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, where things fall, but certainly I'm ready to go for Saturday. Well, Zach, I'll, I'll give you a final plea to the fans to come out um, for, for this season. What do you got for them? Well, I'll just tell you this. We're going to play really hard. Uh, we're going to be successful. We're going to win. You know, I'll be shocked if we don't come out and, and play like a group of, of angry, hungry, starving wolves. I mean, that's, that's kind of the mentality that we're going in with. We got nobody that, that, that accepts anything less uh, on our coaching staff than, than what everybody else, you know, than, than everybody's best, right? So we got a coaching staff that's very clear in identifying what each individual's best is, and, and there's no one that, that is letting anything slip. So we got guys that are on high alert, and like I said, we're going to play hard. We will play fast. I expect us to put points on the board, uh, but certainly going to be a team that competes and, and we feels like got a chance to win some games. Zach, thanks for joining us. All right, man. Welcome back. I'm here with Matt Huddleston, the new women's basketball coach at TCC. I, I, I say new, but it's been a couple months on the job. Uh, how is your team looking so far this summer and, and now into fall? Uh, you know, it was a uh, it was a little bit of a late start, I think, to com- compared to some other programs uh, in the country and in the state. But you know, right now we're we're rolling. Um, two jamborees behind us. Uh, you know, six basically scrimmage games between those two jamborees. We discovered a lot about ourselves. I think players identifying role, position, and expectation, all of those things, you know, I, I, some just getting to know me as a coach. You know, one thing to know coach in practice and a different thing to know a coach once the whistle blows. So I think we've grown a lot. You have one returning player that will play this season. How are you getting these girls up to date with what the speed of junior college basketball is? You have eight freshmen. Or I should say nine freshmen. Nine correct. freshmen, nine freshmen, um, uh, one returner that will play this year, Rochelle Jacob. Um, you know, it's not just the speed of junior college basketball, it's the speed of the panhandle in particular. Um, I think, you know, not to, not to take it lightly, the panhandle, its brand is, uh, is a faster pace, a more physical style of basketball than – uh, I think many other conference, many other regions in the country, even though there's some very good ones out there. But I think for our conference, it's such a you know to just have five teams that that play so aggressively and so quick. We have until January, early January, the first week of January, to get ready for that. Um, in order to do that, uh, both our practice, the way we set up practice, uh, our my coaching style, I guess you would call it, the drills we run. Um, we don't really, for example, take your standard water breaks. It's kind of water on the run. You know, you're not in a drill. You run and grab a sip of water. Um, we condition pretty much nonstop um, in order to save knees, hips, and uh, ankles. We do a lot of bike conditioning. 
which I know is a little bit unusual for basketball, but uh, we spend so much time on the floor trying to reduce that daily impact. But, yeah, I mean, they, you have to be in some of the best shape of your life. And then when we look at the non-conference season, we're set up. We have some incredibly competitive games set up for the season to prepare us for non-conference play. Um, you know, Jones, uh, playing Jones and Snow and playing um, playing even Daytona State as, as our opener on the season. Uh, many other programs that I know will throw us Throw us some challenges. Throw us, throw us through the washer before we come out and figure out how we're going to play in in January, where it really counts. What did you learn from your uh, team this summer um, and headed into fall? Just coaching them and as how they are as players. You know, um, I'll never forget the Mike Neighbors, now coach at Arkansas, the University of Arkansas. Uh, you know, really made his name. I think on the national scene, coaching at Washington, he he, one of these guys who writes a newsletter. I think a lot of other coaches follow. He um, he's a he's a very detail oriented guy. Makes lists of almost everything in life. But he made a list of all the uh, lessons he learned moving over the you know the 22 inches or whatever it is from assistant coach to head coach. And I'll never forget in that list. Probably my favorite. You know, thing I took away from it was building trust. You know that you can be the smartest coach in the world. He already he'd been assistant at Washington before being named the head coach. He already knew all the players. He recruited the players. But once you're put into the seat where you make decisions, you make decisions of who plays, how much they play, what type of offense you're going to run, what type of defense. Now there's a new trust. There's a new trust factor in place. The level of trust, the level of communication you have with your players, and um, I, I have to say that one thing I I have I I wake up every morning and think and I'm very thankful for is that I have a group of young women um, that have been very trusting of the approach I'm taking. It's different. I guarantee than anything any of them did in high school or AAU basketball, and you know for our returner it's it's different from what she's ever been asked to do. Um, still basketball, just a little different approach, and so they've trusted me and they seem to be taking to it, and it played out well in the second set of Jamboree games. So hopefully we can continue to build on that. How much harder is it being an NJCAA coach versus your previous stops? It's interesting. I think the this discussion with a Division One coach, a head coach, and we were talking about roles and pluses and minuses. One of the pluses is uh, being an NJCA coach, uh, coaching at this level, is there are not as many voices in the room, and that can actually be a plus. Um, making decisions is a more efficient process. Um, you know, I don't have if we were to throw a stone across the street here to Florida State, you could probably find a women's basketball office <laughs> and not to, you know, could be probably square footage wise almost as big as our entire gym. By the time you add up all the GAs, all the assigned and paid positions, and while that's helpful when it comes to delegation, you know, you then have a lot of a lot of heads in the room and a lot of different mindsets and a lot of different approaches, and Sue does a great job heading that ship. And I think 
this level, it's 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 interesting to just have it be myself and Joe Cohen primarily with Precious Hall having been added to the staff recently, but she's kind of new to coaching, so you know, we make we make decisions efficiently. The hard part would be there's not a lot of places to delegate. Your um, your desk does pile up a little quicker. The um, the duties and the daily things that have to be done to run a program uh, they just don't get much further than the end of my desk. And and I think that that is a little different than coaching even at mid-major basketball where you could have an operations person, a couple of grad assistants and and you know and but I think what makes well that may make my day a little different in the way it's organized and the way we operate. You know, I work here in an office space where my athletic director is SID and my and is my de facto recruiting coordinator from the preseason. <laughs> so, you know, the, you know, I think everybody juggles here, and so you have to have that type of personality to be successful, and you have to feel comfortable doing it. Zach mentioned that for him, one of the the new learning things was keeping up with academics more than than what he had thought. And previously, when he was a high school coach, he said it was you know. Uh, neither here nor there, but here at NJCA, you have to have 2.5 GPA. You got to make sure they're eligible. All these things. How do you juggle that as well? Um, not sure if you've had that type of background. Um, you know, I think academics. So, you know, I, I think academics at any level of college, uh, college athletics, the balance of time management, the balance of passion. Am I passionate about basketball? Am I passionate about academics? Um, what are my goals? So, you know, I think one thing that maybe gives me a little advantage over Zach's situation and not to say he has wonderful young men on his team, but just in general, um, I think the majority of young women who decide to play competitive collegiate um, basketball are have put a large investment in time uh, and money and a lot of resources and family time and effort to do this to get an education to to pay for school um, you know there there are only a handful of WNBA teams there's only a handful of European teams that can only take one or two Americans per team so at the end of the day if you're getting into women's basketball you're getting into women's basketball to pay for your education that's one facet. Now, is there a management, is there a day-to-day -day management that's unusual from what I had to deal with at Division One, or as a high school coach or as an AAU coach? Not, I mean, not dramatically different. Um, they're not as many, I go back to not as many hands, you know, in Division One level we have multiple assistants and grad assistants who can do things like class checks and and we have, uh, we have more support staff for academics. Um, but here, you know, the, the resources I've been given, um, I think trying to find the best way to use them all, I think the motivations of my players, we've like anywhere, we've had a few players that have struggled with the transition. Nine freshmen transitioning from high school academics to college academics. Nine freshmen transferring from, transferring from having mom and dad work out their daily schedule to now being responsible for when they wake up and they go to sleep. Um, you know, it's different, and, and I think that's part of dealing with, uh, dealing with, you know, people making that transition to college and learning to adult. I think that's been one of our phrases. Everybody's learning to adult on our team, so. 
Well, Matt, let's talk about your first game of the season. It's going to be this Saturday at 2 o'clock against Daytona State. What are you looking forward to in, in this matchup and, and really your first action in a big NJCA game that isn't a jamboree? Yeah, uh, I'm, ex- I'm excited about it. Um, yeah, I think I, I've had all I've had more and more people every day ask me if I'm anxious, if I'm ready, if I'm, you know, um, we I think across sports we always try to we always try to tell players to treat every game the same, and if you treat every game the same, you prepare the same no matter who the opponent is, you prepare the same no matter whether it's a championship game or if it's the first game of the season. I think that. Players feed a lot off of your energy, and if, if you you know if I come in too anxious, if I come in too excited about it, we may overshoot the the energy level and and have an and have an emotional uh, have an emotional ride. But uh, so I've found over the years, I just try to approach each game the same. I have kind of my my mental countdown to it, and it's for me, it's it's become pretty standard and. Uh, the way that I, you know, even the way that I'm going to go to sleep the night before the game, I'm not going to, you know, it's going to be kind of a planned affair and just come in and treat it like we will the next game and the game after that. And hopefully the players feed off of that and we, we get a good rhythm and we don't have kind of an erratic performance throughout the year. So. For, for those who haven't um, listened to the previous podcast, can you give them a quick rundown of what Daytona State should worry about? Um, whether it is offensively or defensively? Uh, right now, Daytona State should <laughs> worry about if nine freshmen in Tallahassee show up um, and don't uh, and don't have you know mild heart attacks at having to <laughs> having to have yeah you, know, you think about it, pretty much anywhere else four year sport and four year sport you're going to be sharing the floor with veterans. In most two year situations, you you'll probably have more veterans around to help you. In those tougher moments, we're opening against a very tough team that was, at least in our region, Region 8, which is Florida Junior Colleges, uh, you know, was ranked ahead of us preseason. Um, they're big, they're well coached. Coach Prim is something I'm very familiar with. She was at Campbell University when I was at Winthrop, does a great job. Uh, so it's not going to, you know, it could be one of those games where we start off. You know, not hitting shots, and and we got to stay. We got to stay on our course, or we could start off hitting shots and get get a little sloppy. So you know, as nine freshmen, we've got to we've got to maintain one path from the beginning to the end. Our style of play, um, hopefully, <laughs> you know, we I would say, you know, just look for an exciting game. Um, we're we're looking to press quite a bit, uh, building into the type of pressure we want to apply. We're not quite there yet, but it's going to be fairly consistent throughout the season. Um, we're working a great deal on communication on offense and defense, and we're looking to play fast. Uh, you know, offensively, I'm teaching a system. Um, you know, I think the best coaches are the best thieves. There's a little Paul Westhead in there. There's a little Golden State, a little Houston Rockets. There's a little Matthew Huddleston and a little <laughs> this and a little that. And um, and it's fast. And it's it's about playing basketball, not as much about making play calls. So um, hopefully that, that makes it exciting. And we, we take risks. We take risks. Um, don't be surprised 
if you hear throughout the season of games where we attempt more three-pointers than we do two-pointers, and that's not because we're sitting there setting a thousand screens. If, uh, if somebody comes and plays us in a zone, I may I may take a shot at trying to set a NJCA record. And <laughs> I think in uh, Division One basketball, I think it's like fifty, somewhere around fifty three-pointers attempted in one game was the all-time record by Old Bucky. Um, out in California, um, and uh, and I, I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I won't pass up the opportunity. Somebody opens the door, and we're playing well and doing it. You know, I, I may may try to set some marks like that. But uh, same time, I, I of course would rather have fifty open layups. But <laughs> but if given the situation, we may go for it. So we're fun. You know, we're. We're we're hoping to make it exciting. We're hoping to grow grow our fan base here and grow our reputation. Try to draw people to games to see something you know a little faster and a little more exciting than maybe what they've been used to with some women's basketball. What are your expectations for this season? <laughs> we we that's a trap question. I, yeah, I, I, we I just talked said, about it before. And yeah, you said, just, oh, just yeah. I think. Um, I think one of the important things to understand, I was asked this question by another coach recently, and, um, you know, I could at the end of the season win 22 games but lose the perfect eight games to ruin our season. Or I could win 18 games and uh, lose 12 games that don't really matter. So, you know, to put a specific number on it's hard. Um, I'll, I'll really be more kind of like I am as a coach. I'll, I'll be a better judge of, of how we play at the end of the season when I'm able to look back and look at whether we showed up for the games that counted. Um, I want to show up for all games, but you know that's important, what type of players you have, especially because we have so many freshmen. Uh, we're really looking at a two-year plan here to do something really special. Um, you know, If all things click, you never know when that happens. It happens early. It happens later. But I, rule of thumb, I'd say 18 wins. I've been doing my job. 20 wins, better than nothing, you know, better than that. Uh, and we were laughing about, you know, given all that, kind of the statement I made, you know, last year they won 25 games, but they lost the one game that, that hurt them. So, you know, how do you reflect on that? 25 games, I, there may be, what, 10 coaches in the country that have done that last year and – so is it success or not? And it's a success at 25 wins, you know. Um, so that's that's more how we're going to judge it. Our growth, our overall how we performed when our backs were up against the wall, how we responded, and how we showed our new adulting skills in dealing <laughs> with the roller coaster of the season. Well, we're looking over at this uh, chart that you have on on the left, and we mentioned it a little bit earlier. But for people who don't know, tell us about what you do in practice and tracking jumpers uh, ju- uh not even jumpers three points so i think in general you grow up as a male athlete a male basketball player you want to dunk the basketball i i you know everybody grows up trying to figure out ways to dunk i remember planting my foot on the garage wall to get high yep. enough to dunk um female athletes identify highly i think with shooting ability ball handling ability but most walk into college thinking they're a shooter. You know, they, they've done well enough to earn a scholarship. So the challenge is with a program, if, you know, I just rule a thumb here, you know, if I shoot a mid-range shot with a defender in my face 
and a good defender. And I, but I make a good move, and I'm going to hit that shot 30% of the time. Okay, let's say that's that's a really good mid-range shooter. Defender in their face at our level makes it 30% of the time. However, one of the worst three-point shooters on my team, wide open, feet set, ready to catch the ball, can hit the three-pointer 30% of the time. So it's a numbers game. Which one would I rather have to shoot the ball? Well, people listening to this may start to be, uh, it's a pretty simple math equation. After 100 attempts, the player who shoots 30% wide open at the three-point line is going to score 90 points. The player who shoots 30% with a person in their face is going to score 60. I'm going to take the 90 points every day of the week. And so it's kind of, it's not that we won't shoot jumpers, but it's our players learning situations, finding the open three-point shooter, finding the open layup, finding the open mid-range shot, and understanding percentages. What's, you know, playing a little more chess versus just playing basketball. So the chart you're talking about, and he doesn't even realize this yet as he's asking me, is actually a report from a database I wrote (laughs) this past week or so to produce this report. So we track um, attempted three-pointers on Sundays to, you know, create some intrinsic motivation. I don't talk about it with the players, but it's available to them. And, you know, it's this is just on Sundays. It's not been every Sunday. So since, since September first, there have been a total of like seven Sundays, I think. About seven Sundays we were able to do this if we didn't conflict with a jamboree or something else. So, you know, not every player's been available every Sunday, injuries, illness, and otherwise. But, you know, come in two hours, start out with some form shooting, then extend it out to three-point shooting. So this report, as of this last Sunday, in seven Sundays, we have attempted roughly 7,500 threes. Two more Sundays will be at 10,000 attempts. Cool. I believe that, you know, the book on what makes you a professional is 10,000 attempts at anything make you a professional. As a team, we're close to 10,000 attempts. After the summer's over, during the summer, I'm going to create some new challenges for the players to get each individual from a few thousand that were made during this season to 10,000 individually by next year. But currently we are shooting as a team. That's post players, guards, brand new players, kids who never shot a three. We are shooting 47% on Sundays. And my worst player is shooting about... 29%, going back to my earlier (laughs) comparison of what choices. But for those of you who can't see it, it breaks down even every position for shooting a three on the floor, left to right, wing, corner, point, slot. And so each player starts to form a picture in their head of where they shoot well from. So that goes back to how you decide what shots to take during a game. A player who sees that they shoot, I think Polina... Uh, Nikola Kaina is currently shooting 75% from the left wing. So when she touches the ball and she's open in the left wing, she better shoot it. (laughs) Well, we're talking about exciting players uh, to watch for the team. Um, Could you give us your most exciting offensive player for fans and then most exciting defensive player you have? You know, honestly, I think the best thing about this team is I – I don't have an individual player that that I think is going to be the offensive player. 
Um, that's also, I think, what's going to make us dangerous is I think we're exciting. I think right now early in terms of players who kind of get all the levels of what we're trying to do a little earlier, I do think Polina and Anna, uh, Nikola Kaina, I think um, I think that Sadeja, Sadeja Payne will be another one that will have some early success. She won't be able to play in our first game but uh, she will be available soon. Um, I think Rochelle Jacobs is going to surprise some people. A sophomore who who didn't have a lot of minutes last year has really bought into some of the things we're doing, and you know, in the jamboree, I think really surprised some people. Didn't surprise didn't surprise me. I mean, seeing her in practice, seeing how she's bought in, coming off of an injury and buying in. I mean, that's huge. Uh, Brianna Chambers, impact player out of Australia, uh, in, in the interior force, but as well as on the exterior. She's somebody, if you want to leave her open, I've got a chart right here that tells her exactly where to shoot from. Um, and then, uh, you know, another interior, our interior is pretty solid this year. Another interior player, um, Casey Villanueva, brings something different to the table, super athletic, Kyra Smith out of London, but you know, I, I could go on and on. Yet again, I don't think I have a definable one element. Now, next year we get to add one of the best players in college basketball at any level back to that mix, and and Deja Bradford, and and I think that that's what's exciting when you look at this as a two-year plan. Is that next year we add just a player average seventeen point eight points per game last year as a freshman. I think will be an even bigger threat next year, and the team around her will be incredibly well balanced. So what do you do? You know, so I'm excited about that defensively. Who's I'm, your Tony Allen? Who's yeah, your, who's your stopper? I, I'm telling you, I uh, I go back to Sadeja Payne, who I do not have for this game, but she's an she's an she should have been a cornerback in football. Um, Next to that, I, I would say, you know, Rita James just consistently comes to practice every day. Young woman out of Nigeria, just energizer bunny, you know, just up in people and, you know, quick hands. Anna Nikolakina, if you ever want to test your hand strength, go out there and try to hold on to a basketball while she stabs at it because I, I think she should have been a professional slap boxer. So. Um, she just has very quick, very heavy hands and, and understands defense at a level most freshmen don't get. So, Matt, so the season is about to get underway on, on Saturday. How excited are you going into the year? Really, really excited. Excited more than anything to, to you know see the look on our players' faces when everything clicks. And I, it's, it's starting to happen every day, something – Something new just happens at practice where, you know, Joe Cohen and I look at each other and we, we just kind of get that little smile like, okay, they got that, you know, now the next step. And, and it's getting quicker and quicker. You know, it, it took us a couple of weeks just to get the first elements in, and now there, there are days where we have huge growth in just one practice. So um, retention, um, you know, I think that's another thing. This team's shown a great ability to retain the information they're learning. So that look on their face when those things connect, the style of basketball we play, they have fun with it. Our the cameraman is talking in the mic when he's filming it because he has fun with it. So I'm hoping we'll get fans out that can share in in what we're doing and and enjoy it. 
Give us our plug for the fans. I, I let Zach uh, give his. What, what do you have for why the fans should come out? Well, on a rainy Saturday in Tallahassee, Florida, why not come and sit in one of the architectural masterpieces in the Eagle Dome and watch uh, watch eleven young women do something really special? Uh, you know, I, I think it's just something. It's unique these days to see team basketball and to see it done fast, quick, exciting, cheering for each other, talking, and you know, not not a lot of hanging heads. I will. I will say for those coming, uh, when you start to try to judge me on my substitution rotation, just know that that substitution rotation is not, it is a predetermined thing for the first two quarters. About about every three minutes, you'll see new faces on the floor. We don't fully platoon, but two to three every three minutes, keep it rolling. Everybody gets their playing time, and it basically allows us to press, you know, press from beginning to end, so... A year ago today, would you have thought you'd be in this position in this room with me? I would like to tell you I'm a fortune teller, but I'm not, and that's why I'm a coach and not uh, and not a, a wealthier man on Wall Street. So, <laughs> well, Matt, thanks for thanks for joining us, and uh, good luck on your season. Thank you so much. And our final guest today is a very familiar voice, uh, face around TCC Athletics as well, TCC Director of Athletics, Rob Chaney. Rob, uh, we last time we were talking, we were previewing the FCSAA State Championship for cross country. Um, how did that event go for the Eagles? Well, it was, uh, it, it was a really nice event last Friday morning out at Appalachia Regional Park. Um, you, we all know how fickle the weather is can be here in Tallahassee and it was uh, probably not ideal conditions you know for runners uh, when we were out there two weeks prior for the FSU Invitational it was uh, gorgeous and uh, it was one of those cool mornings temperatures uh, that morning were probably in the mid to upper 50s um, last Friday uh, it was one of those mornings where you could just kind of slice through the humidity with a knife uh, and the temperature was probably about you know a good 15 degrees warmer. So, you know it uh, it was a, it created a slow course. Um, you didn't have you didn't have record times in either the men's or women's race. And I think only a couple of our runners posted PRs. But all in all, uh, it was a good morning. Uh, both teams finished fifth overall um, for the women. Genevieve Prentice, who's uh, been the top runner all season. She finished third individually, and that uh, that qualified her for the FCSAA All-State team, which goes to the top five finishers. And um, big shout-out to uh, Asia Charlton. Asia, uh, we, we got plugged in with Asia last spring with our track program, and uh, she uh, jumped in graciously, uh, took on cross-country this fall, knowing that we needed some female numbers, and she completed her first 5K on wow. Friday morning. And by doing so, she was the fifth runner to cross the finish line, which qualified us for a team score. And we immediately jumped from just kind of sharing the uh, the rest of the pack with four other schools. We jumped uh, two schools who had already posted team scores and, uh, and finished fifth. So uh, just a, a big compliment to Asia for her perseverance in, uh, in doing that, kind of taking one for the team. But uh, we really appreciate that. The men, 
Uh, Daniel Randolph, who's been the, the lead runner for the guys all season, had an injury uh, about maybe not quite a quarter of the way into the race and had to pull out. Um, and I know he was disappointed by that uh, tremendously. Uh, but the rest of the guys, yeah, they stepped up, finished strong. And uh, Dalton Gray uh, was the top guy across the line for Tallahassee. And, and they finished fifth as well. And now, uh, you know, there's one race left in the, the men's, uh, the men's uh, team. And then uh, Genevieve and uh, Kendall Ward uh, from the female side uh, are all going to go out to Albuquerque, New Mexico next weekend for the NJCAA championships. That will uh, pose a totally different type of environment because if, if you know anything about uh, New Mexico and Albuquerque in particular, it's known for its altitude. So you're going to be running in altitude and the, for the weather out there this morning was 31 degrees and a wind chill of 18. And looking ahead to uh, next Friday right now, the uh, or next weekend, the low on Friday night is upper 30. So, you know, they're probably going to have a, uh, a cool morning uh, to run, which I think you, you prefer it to be a little cooler, but you add that in, in altitude. So I think it'll be another good experience for the team. But uh, we're excited to see them go out there and, and represent Tallahassee Community College International Championship event. Rob, you went to Albuquerque, New Mexico last year uh, for, for track and field, of course. What is the uh, different challenge for, for this event, given you said the weather and everything, um, that some of the, the runners need to, to figure out going that way? I don't know if they've ever been to New Mexico before. Well, we, we were in Hobbs for track. And oh, you're right, you're right, you're right. Sorry, not Albuquerque. And uh, so the, ele the elevation was not quite as you know, drastic as, as they'll face next weekend but I mean it's listen when when you're when you land at the airport and you see tumbleweed out one side and jackrabbits out the other you know you're not in Tallahassee Florida okay so you know that the surroundings are different and the environment is different um you know for for us in Hobbs the, the wind was just a beast and and for track that played a big part as, uh, into the strategy. So, you know, they'll get out there and they'll have most of Friday to, you know, adapt a little bit, see what it's like, and, and they'll figure out a, a plan for Saturday morning. But uh, at the end of the day, I think they will enjoy the experience. It'll be unique. And, you know, again, to run in a national championship event is an exciting opportunity. As uh, the cross country winds down, a new sport will be taking uh, full grasp of TCC, and, and that is men's and women's basketball. Rob, how excited are you for this new season to start? We've been talking about it for months now, and it yeah. finally has arrived on Saturday. Well, I'll be a lot more excited about it on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm still just buried in eligibility work right now, trying to get that wrapped up. So I'm, uh, I'm not really getting to. Uh, bask in the excitement of a new season but come Saturday uh, I'll be ready and, and it will be exciting um, you know with, with two I, I still say two new coaches uh, even though Zach finished out the, the season for the men last year uh, I still treat it as you know two new coaches very new rosters on both sides so I think it is kind of a changing of the guard so to speak and um, you know you, you talk to 
Matt and Zach earlier in the show, and I know they're excited. I know um, you wound up a little bit and ready to go, and I think the players are ready because um, you know when you have when you come in for that last summer session, you know of class. That's the end of June. At this point, you know you've been here four months, scrimmaging against one another. Shoot. I think everybody's ready to get out there and play a real game and, and see somebody else uh, on the other side in a different color, a different uniform to go out there and and uh, and play against. And I think we'll have a uh, a good showing on Saturday. Uh, you know, the women are going to play a, a really good opponent in Daytona State, who's you know ranked ahead of us in the preseason poll in Region Eight. They're five, we're six, so I think we're expecting this to be a really good test out of the gate. Uh, the men are going to be playing uh, Florida State College Jacksonville, and if you've been around Florida, you know, two-year basket, two-year basketball in the state of Florida for the last twenty-plus years, you know that Frank Burnell is an outstanding coach at FSCJ, and and he'll have his guys ready. So, it, you know, both teams, it'll be a great test for them to start the season. Really hoping that we have a good turnout. You know, it's unfortunate that we're having to go head to head with two college football games here in town. Um, still waiting for you know the ACC and the MEAC to uh, confer with me on setting their game times. What about the <laughs> what about the SEC with Georgia and Florida as well? well you know, that's you going know, through the at least that's right. not in town, but uh, yeah. <laughs> you know that's just that's just kind of how. How it goes uh, sometimes, you know. I was hoping that uh, at least the FSU Miami game would 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 fall as a night contest, but it didn't. So hopefully, um, hopefully we'll still have a good turnout. I hope our students, you know, will get here and show their support, you know, for our teams, and it will be a uh, you know, kick off to an exciting uh, rest of the fall, and then as we you know move on into the you know winter and, and spring seasons as well. So it's here. Um, we're excited, and I just want to remind everybody, you know, to, to keep up with the Eagles all season long, or as we continue with our seasons, visit us online, tcceagles.com. We're on social media. Uh, our most active platforms are Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, but you also can find us YouTube, even Snapchat, but we're always on there with the account named TCC Eagles. Um, Tweet Rob, you know. You know, yeah, you can tweet me. And, uh, you know, fingers crossed I figure out, you know, my, my new streaming platform and we get that up and running and, and we have that going Saturday uh, to where you can watch the game. I do want to remind you, uh, remind the listeners, you know, we're off of live stream. So if you were, you know, using Roku or Amazon Fire or whatever and going through the live stream app, you now want to go to NJCAA TV and find us there. You should be able to find our channel through NJCA TV. You still may have to search Tallahassee, but download or yep, proxy into the NJCA TV app and uh, we're you know be streaming through Blue Frame, but you know the action will still look just as good and I'm sure the play by play will be just as good. Rob, too. I'll I'll try my best. I hear we're bringing in another Luke into the fold, so that'll be interesting to see. Yes. Um <laughs> Look forward to it. Well, Rob, thanks for joining us. And uh, as as always, what, what do we say, Rob? Go Eagles. Go Eagles.